Welcome to Creative Resolutions in Action, a podcast that dives into the real world of Manitoba with a mixture of smart conversation, expert advice, behind-the-scenes stories, and straight talk from leaders in government, business, industry, academia, and civil society. Creative Resolutions in Action, Manitobans building strong communities. Today, I have the great pleasure of talking with Dorothy Doby. Dorothy is a businesswoman, a writer, a photographer, a speaker, a former politician, a publisher, and a radio host. Dorothy is currently the founder and president of Pegasus Publication, a media company that is responsible for many important local, regional, and national publications. Dorothy was a member of the Canadian Parliament from 1988 to 1993, where she served as parliamentary secretary on many high-profile portfolios. Dorothy is an enthusiastic community leader and was awarded the Queen's Jubilee Medal for her community involvement. Dorothy is also my mentor and my friend. Welcome to Creative Resolutions, Dorothy. Thank you, Colleen. I'm delighted to be here. So, Dorothy, really excited to have you here today. Over the past few episodes, we've been talking about collaboration and cooperation and community building at the local level, at the regional level, and kind of at the national level within Canada. But one thing I'm really interested about is your involvement with the International Peace Gardens. And over the years, you've been working on building that collaboration and cooperation between countries. Can you tell me a little bit about that project? Well, I sure didn't start it. It started back in 1932. And it was, a you know, people were so... Um, I would say visionary in those days. And uh, there w- it was the vision of a horticulturist who uh, was at an international gardening meeting, believe it or not, in New York and came up with this idea of developing um, a, a monument to the friendship between Canada and the United States. And this was just after the, the First World War, so there was a lot of, you know, thought being given to the dangers and the and the the terrible things that can happen when people don't understand that they actually have more to gain by being friends and by being enemies when they're close proximity to each other. So he brought this idea forward because gardens are the kind of things that bring people together. People feel good in a garden. People grow things together. There's just a a whole peaceful movement that just goes with gardens. The idea was accepted by the international group, and then the following year they had their meeting in Toronto, and uh, they agreed to find a place to put a park. Uh, On that board were some very luminous people. There were a lot of senior civil servants and so on, but two that I really think is romantic uh, were Lady Eaton and Mrs. Henry Ford. So you can see the kind of leadership and thought that went into this whole project. The horticulturist was flying at an early flight across the prairies, looking for a space. Uh, I think he was on his way to Vancouver. And he saw this turtle shape rise in the middle of the prairie and thought, wow. That's where we should be, right in the center of the continent. And this wonderful, you know, space that's rising out of the prairie. It's like rising, like hope rising from uh, from the earth. So that is indeed where it uh, ended up being. When they opened the garden in 1932, there were 50,000 people. 50,000 people came together. Wow, that's a lot. From both sides of the border. Just think about it. In their little Model Ts and their little flivers and, and with horse and buggy and some of them walked. So uh, that was because people understood then that, and of course it was the ethic upon which this province was built, that collaboration and cooperation was the way to survival. 
and not only amongst our own communities, but across border, collaboration across border. As you mentioned, after the war, we were all allies. We, you know, we had fought together, and now it was time to build something, a monument to peace together. And they really did take this to heart. Uh, in fact, there are two man-made lakes in the park itself, and one of them is named after an American on the Canadian side, and the one on the American side is named after a Canadian, two leaders in that, re- in that particular time. So there was a real thought of bringing people together as brothers, uh, you can go into the Peace Garden, you can stand with one foot on the in the U.S. and one foot in Canada, and there's no way of understanding which one is which unless somebody tells you. Wow. As a matter of fact, there's a stream going right down the middle of the border, so you can <laughs> put one foot on either side of the stream. But it's just that sort of thing, that this was a complete amalgamation. It was agreed that most of the built products would be on the U.S. side and most of the wilderness part, part would be on the Canadian side, which is the largest side of the of the park. And uh, so that that has continued to today. There are a few structures on the Canadian side, but most are on the American. And when we flow money in, it's interchangeable. We use it wherever it's needed. Isn't that great? And, you know, over the years, I remember hearing a lot about the Peace Gardens years ago when I was a kid. And that was always the place you wanted to go camping or for the day with your family. And because it it does straddle the border, but it's also in Manitoba. And uh, that was a real destination spot when I was young. And then you didn't hear very much about the Peace Gardens for a while. But now there's a real uh, renaissance in what's happening there. And tell us a little bit about what's going on right now at the Peace Gardens. Well, over the years, I mean, there probably should have been a lot more investment as time went on. But, uh, you know, priorities change, and so things were a little bit neglected. So now we're going through a process of rejuvenation with money coming from both the United States and from Canada, from North Dakota and from Manitoba. So there's a $6 million investment from the U.S. side, from the governor of North Dakota. That's already gone through their legislature. And an equal amount in Canadian funds that has been promised from the Canadian side by Premier Pallister. And this will allow us to rehabilitate many of the, the, the areas of the grounds that have not been properly taken care of over the years. And there's some fantastic buildings and things to see and do. And part of that will be to also uh, reconstruct the um, greenhouse, which is we have the largest collection of succulents and cactus in North America. And some people say of some sorts in the world. Wow. So in some places, in in some collections, we need just one or two plants to finish it off. For example, we've got a cactus from Brazil that the council uh, council from Brazil here has been helping me try to find uh, the two last pieces for. But it's that kind of excitement because not only do we demonstrate peace between Canada and the United States, whenever we bring another country in and talk to them about it, they get excited and want to be involved as well. The whole um, Turtle Mountain, I should have mentioned that earlier, that this rise in the prairie was called Turtle Mountain. There's a story behind that too. And uh, actually I should tell you that. What's the story? Yeah, I'd love to The story to hear. is that when the um, ind- Indigenous people came across the Isthmus to North America from Asia, they, cr- they traveled across, because in those days there wasn't so much snow and ice up there, traveled across the Arctic, and then came south when it came to Manitoba, went through Lake Manitoba, which is where, you know, Manitou lived because of those caves. They hear him, you know, ro- roaring in the caves, and down to the Peace Gardens, and then they split into seven groups, and the, the legend has it that those are the seven tribes that populated North America. It has traditionally been the place where Indigenous people came together to talk about peace. And we didn't know that when we set it out, when, when this was set out to create the garden there. So it really has, and when you go there, you feel it. You feel this sense of, it's different. You feel at peace. You feel uh, relaxed. It's a beautiful, beautiful place to be. Wow, and but it has we, a strong history, a it, long history. It does. So the, the, the new Peace Tower will, uh, will finish. I was going to tell you what the garden looks like. 
classically built. I've been to many gardens around the world. This one, I think, compares to almost any of them. And uh, when it's completely rehabilitated, I think it will be second to none. Wow. It, um, the perspective is, has been created so that when you're standing at one end and looking to the other, it looks like it changes the distance. So this is how they built classical gardens in those days. And, uh, but you can walk it quite easily. It's about a mile, and, and it's you know, just wonderful to go up one side and down the other. In the center, there's a, a, a lake with a, or a pond, I guess, with a fountain, several fountains. And uh, then, of course, on one side, it's built in a T-shape, which these, many of these classical gardens were. One side is the beautiful Peace Garden Conservatory with a cactus collection. And on the other side, we're still waiting to what we hope is build a, a conflict resolution center there one day where we will be able to bring people from all over the world to talk over their problems and their difficulties and arrive at peaceful solutions. That's really important uh, in today's world to have centers that focus on uh, the resolution of conflict in a peaceful manner. Exactly. And here's a little surprise. And they said, what do they call it? Um, A little Easter egg in the whole story. There's an airport. So back in the 60s, the Americans built an uh, an airport at the Peace Gardens. Uh, off to the to the left hand side as you come through the uh, 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 border control, and uh, the Canadian side is the tarmac, and and then the American side has a long runway. It's not long enough now to take major jets, but we can take small jets, and uh, and small planes. And there are some some rehabilitation work going on there too. At some time in the distant future, one would hope that we would have a longer space that we could bring in major jets, private jets so that if international people wanted to come through when that conflict resolution is built in the future, they'll be able to do so in safety. And by the way, it's a very safe place. So there's just so many things going for the Peace Garden. That sounds just wonderful. And I, I think having a centre where people can come right here in Manitoba is really important. And as you know, over the last little while, we've been trying to build relationships um, with in the metro region, getting the municipalities to work together. And that's really one level of, of government coming together. And what are your thoughts about that? And why do you think it's important for not only countries to collaborate and NGOs to collaborate and, and community volunteers to collaborate? Why is it important for local leaders to start to bring that collaboration and inform uh, communities built on that spirit? Well, you know, that really actually, you can go back to the Peace Garden on that front too, because who benefits when we work together and build something wonderful at that gore? Both the small communities on either side of the border, and it builds relationships, and those relationships spread out because we all know people in, in larger centres. And uh, so if we bring people down there together, uh, tourists from both sides of the border, but also from around the world, we're benefiting both communities. When you work together, when you collaborate, when you cooperate, you you build something bigger. And it's interesting because I think the internet has re-shown us that that works, that you don't always have to be me, oh, all for me, me, me. If we do something together, we're going to have something bigger and maybe we get a smaller piece of the pie, but the pie is way bigger and we all get, we all benefit a lot bigger, you know, better from that. And at the community levels, what you're doing here uh, with the metropolitan region, I think is completely um, brilliant and needs to be, um, imp- you know, enhanced. 
people should get behind it because if your communities come together and plan and collaborate as one, just think of all of the possibilities for saving money, for building bigger and better transportation systems, for having better services because you're not piecemealing them out. And that's a process that could be followed by so many other communities throughout Manitoba. Well, and it's fascinating because, you know, if you can do, if you can build an incredible peace garden and we can have it in existence for years and years and years between two nations, we should be able to work as a metro region to really get our thinking straight and our our houses in order here. You know, I think you've already done a great deal. I was very, very impressed to see the work you did with the Indigenous communities, bringing them together and the healing that went on between the two, uh, you know, the sort of these traditional European communities and the Indigenous communities. That was really heartwarming. But when you work together, it's always heartwarming. And it's the same thing, the Peace Garden, the same thing here. When we're together, the Canadians and the Americans, we uh, don't really see each other as separate people. We have the same problems, we have the same interests, we have the same goals. And um, so it would be impossible to fight with those folks because we love them and they love us. And and really you just nailed it. Collaboration has to be with all, everybody in the community coming together. And sometimes we leave people out and we can't do that anymore. We have to have a voice Mm -hmm. for everyone at the table. If we're going to achieve the kind of success you and your group has achieved at the Peace Gardens recently. Yes. Uh, Interestingly enough, there's more than just flowers there. We also have an international music camp where we have kids coming from both sides of the border to make music, which is what's more peace you know, giving than, than doing something together that's artistic and making music is the universal language. And then we have an international sports camp that's run by the legions. And that's another sort of, you know, community building thing when people come together to play together. The same way here as you at the capital region, as you are trying to build community centers that would serve more than one community, for example, so that you have a bigger and better um, facility than you would be able to do by having five of them, five very small ones. With much more programming and much more opportunities. So they're better, they're bigger and better. Yeah. But, you know, it's really fascinating to me because you've brought all of your loves together in this project. You've got your your political, you're still, you know, working at that level to secure funding and to secure um, bigger and and better things for the Peace Garden. But you're also working around gardening and... uh, I, I know you've you have a gardening show here. I listen to it on the radio, and we read your articles quite often. And uh, what are you working on right now locally? Like I, I heard a little rumor you're working on a trees project. Can you tell well, us a bit about that? I don't know. I've been a tree hugger forever. <laughs> you know, I know I'm a conservative. Everybody knows that. But I love trees, and I think that they have they have so much to give, and they do. They they give us clean air. The air we breathe, the oxygen we breathe comes from plants, and trees are a big part of that. So just recently, two things happened. One, CN Rail is is celebrating its 100th birthday, and they have been, you know, giving out some money very across the country. They gave some money to um, Montreal, about a million dollars, and Sean Finn, who is vice president of CN Rail, is on our board at Tree Canada, said he was, uh, you know, looking for other projects. He said Winnipeg. Winnipeg's a place to be because it's our 150th for the province next year, and what a place. So he took us up on it, and he announced a million dollars to plant trees in Winnipeg. And then the mayor got excited, and he also announced a tree planting project, a challenge to plant a million trees by the time we reach a million people. I think we're going to beat him on that. We had a meeting yesterday with a lot of the folks in the green industry and the city looking at the strategy and how we can achieve this accomplishment. This amazing. We've already. I don't want to. I don't want to um, 
preempt them, but there is a, a major company here who has made a very large gift to Tree Canada to plant trees over five years, and we think that's just the beginning. And I think everybody feels the hurt when trees start to um, deteriorate. But we had a terrible storm, and I everybody the word I heard most often was heartbreaking. It's so heartbreaking to see these trees split in half or upended by the roots because there'd been so much rain. And so when we come together and we plant trees as individuals and as a community, we're doing that thing again. We're cooperating, we're collaborating, we're finding a way to repair our city. The, the really most important infrastructure in our city is the green infrastructure. And, you know, we all know that. You and I are hard-headed businesswomen, right? But we also understand the importance of having a green infrastructure, and trees are the main component Absolutely. of that. So trees are sort of, they're part of our, who we are. They're part of a, an expression of our coming together, of our building communities. And so uh, I think for the, for the metropolitan region, I'm trying to think, how can we get involved all of the communities around here in, in making sure that they plant trees as well? Because, of course, that's part of the climate change issue that... If we plant enough trees, really, um, we will resolve this whole issue of uh, CO2, if that is a problem in the air. Because trees bring in, they breathe in through their little stomata, the little openings on the bottoms of their leaves, carbon dioxide, and they breathe out clean air oxygen. So they're absolutely critical for, for us to have trees. And Dorothy, we're going to keep an eye on this project and hopefully we can get you back again to talk about where you are with this trees project. And and here at the metro region, we're going to have to talk after and figure out how we get the entire metro region behind planting a million trees. Super exciting. So Dorothy, you've had a lot of experience um, in the political realm, a lot of experience working with leaders. And I was wondering if you could offer a piece of advice for our leaders as they begin to tackle this regional plan. Things are going to get tough, and it's not always going to be easy. And I wondered if you could give them a piece of advice. My best piece of advice is for you, Colleen, because you're the leader among leaders. And really, everybody needs leadership. Everybody needs that goal-oriented person who pulls things and draws things, who drives things forward. So my advice is to you, when your leaders become a little bit discouraged, just remind them about the future, what the possibilities are. And, you know, it's, it takes a lot of energy. Fortunately, you have that energy. But once they, you have to reorient them to the goal, and once they're reoriented to the goal, usually they come back and they, they, they move on. It's, it's always difficult to see progress when you're caught up in the middle of it. It's the time when you need to step back and say, wait a minute, look what we've accomplished so far. Let's just go back and recount the things that we've done since we started. Do you remember back when, you know, five years ago when we just began and it was just an idea? And then we did this and this and this and this and look at this. And now we've only got this little bit further to go. It's always the last half mile that takes the hardest amount of uh, energy to get there. That's really good advice, Dorothy. And we'll try and remember to do that as you, as you say, sometimes when you're in it, we, we forget to look back. And I think the here at the Metro Region, we're going to have to do a better job of that in the future. And uh, I, I thank you again for coming out. But I just wanted to follow up. We have a little thing on our creative resolutions in action that we ask our guests before they leave. And it's, if you could talk with one person about anything, who would that person be and what would you chat about? Oh, Elon Musk. And I wouldn't. I could talk about everything. <laughs> he he inspires me. Here's a man who sees beyond. He he looks out of the box. He says, "Where? What do I want to do? Well, then let's do it." That's how I look at the world. And he has an imagination that is absolutely incredible. We're so lucky, you know. He was he was 
lived in Canada when he was young. He went to Queens at the same time my grand, uh, my son-in-law did for a short period of time, although he left and went on to New York. And so I feel like he belongs to us, but I, he's my hero. Oh. He's my hero. John Diefenbaker in the past was my hero because he thought everything was possible. And you know who else is my hero locally? The fellow, uh, James Favell, who has the Bear Clan Patrol. He said something needs to be done, and he did it. Just do it. Just just do it. Don't wait for someone to lead it. Sometimes you just have to roll up your sleeves and get it done. And I've learned that from you on many, many friends, Dorothy. Well, James is, a, is the icon for me, and uh, he inspires the world. So that's the sort of thing that you're doing here with the Metropolitan Region. You're just doing it, and I think you're doing a fantastic job. Well, thank you. And again, Dorothy, thank you so much for coming on the show today and talking to us on Creative Resolutions in Action. As always, you've inspired me and keep us going doing the good work that we try and do each day. Thanks so much, Colleen. And thank you all for joining us today on Creative Resolutions in Action. If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to check out Episode 6, where we talk with Dave Bowles, the Vice President of Winnipeg Communities for GenStar Development Company, a development company with the vision for bringing land to life. Please be sure to subscribe to this podcast, like, and tell me what you think of these conversations and the reviews, and who else you might like to hear from. Be sure to watch for Episode 8, next time where we talk with Mike Moore. Mike is the former president of the Manitoba Home Builders and has a long history of using best practice to build strong communities in the Winnipeg metropolitan region and beyond. Creative Resolutions in Action, Manitobans Building Strong Communities.